So yes, it's the beginning of 2019. It's uh, already been one heck of a year. Uh, you know, we've only just got uh, to the end of January. As many people have realized that January doesn't just have 31 days. It seems like it has at least 60, especially when you're waiting for your paycheck. But we've come out of a wonderful festive period of a time where we've been able to celebrate and recuperate and renew and refresh. It's been a, a wonderful time for me and for my family. And now we've got to get back to reality. But obviously, one of the big things about the festive period, especially for me as a follower of Christ, is the gift of Christmas. Christmas is a time where we get to slow down, where we get to remember what is important, when we sit down with those who we love, and we just get to look at them face to face for the first time in what seems like forever. I think our lives are so busy that we seem to sometimes live past each other and that we really don't get the opportunity to truly engage, truly come close and rediscover ourselves and each other. And so Christmas is a wonderful time of actually drawing close and coming near. And so at the end of last year, I read a book and it was called Just Mercy by a man by the name of Brian Stevenson. And he tells some wonderful stories in this book. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Brian Stevenson. He is a human rights lawyer, and he had everything ahead of him. He could have gone to any big law firm and made real money, but he chose instead to go down to the south of America, to places like Mississippi and Louisiana and Georgia, uh, where the justice system is incredibly crooked. And that there are hundreds and hundreds of young men uh, that are, uh, and women that are on death row. For many of them, it's because of things that they have done. And for many of them, it's because um, they are victims of abuse. For others, it's because they were mentally incompetent of being able to understand their crimes. For others, they were prosecuted as minors uh, and have to face the consequences of uh, execution by lethal injection or by electric chair. And so there's obviously a lot of travesties of justice and a lot of people that have fallen through the cracks. And so he goes and defends these people at the worst time just before they are to be um, to be killed. And, and he, he really has this deep passion for justice and for mercy. And when you read this book, it's just absolutely um, mind-blowing in terms of how unjust that system is and how we really do need to be fighting uh, for the lives of those who have been uh, put on death row. But he tells two wonderful stories, and I really want to take those two wonderful stories and, and put them into the Christmas narrative. And so the first one that he tells is about his grandmother. He says when he was growing up, when he was a young boy, he, uh, he was always told by his grandmother how special he was. And he, she made a, a big point of putting uh, Brian on her knee and being telling her that, uh, telling him how how special he was and how he could achieve anything. And then she would wrap her arms around little Brian and she would squeeze for all that she was worth. 
Brian felt that his bones were being crushed, but but it was just part of that ritual of the hug that Granny gave to him every time that she came into contact with him. And even from afar, she would say, Brian, do you know how special I am? Uh, how special you are? And so Brian would always know because of the strength of that hug and that, that impact of that hug would be felt long after the hug had actually stopped. The thing that I'm trying to say is that when we come to Christmas, we say a lot about God coming near. God's heart being clothed in flesh and Jesus coming onto earth. This is the wonderful impact of our God. Our God chooses to come close. Our God chooses to come near. And when we look at the world around us, we know that it is messy. We know that it is sinful. We know that it is uh, not at all what God had intended this world to be. And 2,000 years ago, it was very much in the similar state. Rome was running Palestine. There was corruption. There was injustice. There was no mercy. It was a horrible situation. And yet God comes close. And he embraces the imperfection of the world. And it is when we open the pages of the gospel, when we read again the good news, when we hear the stories of Jesus and his teachings, that we are impacted 2,000 years later. Jesus embraced the world and all that it was, the good and the bad. And because of that embrace, because of Jesus pulling it all close and embracing it, today we still feel the impact of what he did. And then we need to draw close to our family members. Do they know how much we love them because of the way that we treat them when they are with us? Do we draw close? Do we come near? Do we show them love? That impacts them even when we are not close. Jesus left the world, but yet we are still impacted by the embrace of his time here on earth. It gave me a good understanding of why we call Jesus Emmanuel, God with us, and how important it is to remember that, that God came close, that God embraced the world for all that it is, and that its impact is still alive and well in our lives today. So that's the first story. The second story is one that I really have come to to um, make part of me, really internalize the story that he told. So he told a, a story about when he was in Sunday school. And there was a little boy there, and he was very attached to his mom, very insecure, with absolutely no confidence, and he stuttered. And so a couple of the little boys, including Brian, went up to this little boy after Sunday school, and they asked him what his name was. And so as this little boy is trying to give them his name, he's stuttering, and they all started laughing. Well, anyway, Brian Stevenson's mother saw this situation and she was not impressed. She had just been taught about the love of God and so she called Brian over to her. Now, you can just picture the situation and it almost seems like a stereotypical one with this African-American mother uh, talking to her son. 
And so she says to her boy, she says, uh, you do not do that. That you never ever laugh at a little boy who is struggling to speak. And so what I want you to do is I want you to go over there and I want you to hug him. And then once you have hugged him, I want you to tell him that you love him. Now, he's a little 11-year-old boy, and I'm sure he's busy going, uh, you know, I might be able to hug him, but how on earth am I going to say I love him? Do you know what that will do to my credibility amongst the other boys? But then he looked up at his mother, and uh, she probably has the same look that my mother has when she's being 100% dead honest, and you have no way out. And so Brian Stevenson goes up to this little boy, and this little boy is, you know, being teased so much in his life that he is so scared. And so Brian goes over to him and he hugs him. And the little boy apparently like sort of falls into Brian's arms. And then because he has been told to say it, he says it to this little boy, says, I love you. And this little boy without any stuttering at all says, I love you too. It was that time that Brian realized that for us to to actually show love and understand love, we have to draw near. That's the only way to be able to do it. In exactly the same way that Christ drew near to us. In the uh, same way that he knew that love can only be displayed when you are right there in its proximity is the same lesson for us today. You know... In my neighborhood, we have a, a very, um, it's, it's quite a, it's, you know, it's difficult to, to put into words, but there is a, a system that we have, and everyone subscribes to it, where we put our bins out every morning on a Tuesday. You don't put your bins out the day before because then you'll be shamed publicly about putting your bins out and allowing vagrants into your into your area. Now, we have people that come around and look in our bins for stuff of value that they might be able to sell and be able to feed themselves and be able to feed them family. And it is the most undignified way of being able to earn a living. And yet, the people in my community are very, very uh, harsh on it and saying, you know, if you put your bins out the night before, what you are doing is you're encouraging this criminal element to come into our homes. Now, it's so easy to judge when you are at a distance. It's so easy to say it's them and us. It's us, the good people, and them, the bad people. It becomes so much harder when you have to come close. And for me, when I have to come close, it makes me incredibly uncomfortable. And I don't know of anyone who becomes comfortable when they get close to someone else. Because then you are vulnerable. Because then often you feel like you are going to their level. And in this society, that's not the thing to do. I remember often having to deal with the issues of vagrancy and homelessness when I was working uh, at one of my churches. 
they had a feeding scheme for um, for homeless people, and on I think it was Tuesday mornings they used to in the winter give them soup and and warm food and bring them into the church area. And we had many many complaints from the from the neighbourhood, and absolutely there were some elements of that group that were not there just for the food. Um, and you know we have to accept that. But there was one moment that really opened up my eyes. And, and we used to stand around in a circle after everyone had had their soup and bread. And, you know, we had a little bit of a, a message and a little bit of scripture reading. And then sometimes we would sing. And sometimes someone would lead the singing and someone would maybe just, you know, sort of break out in song. And I remember this one lady and she had nothing, absolutely nothing. And she sang in Afrikaans, she said, All that I have to give is an empty soul. And I was thinking how profound that was, because even though I had a house and clothes and a fancy car, even though I had everything materially, the only thing that I could ever give God was my empty soul. I didn't have anything else to give him. Ultimately, he had everything else. What God wants and what God needs is all of us. And you know, it was only when I could come close and see the humanity in her and see the humanity in me that I realized that we weren't that much different. It's when God comes close to us that we then have to pass that on and come close to others. Others who are not the same as us, others who have different ideas to us, others who we cannot get on with, others who we see as our enemy. If we move close to them, God's kingdom is starting to spread. God's love is starting to be passed on. God's will is being done. We need to move close. We've got to move closer to those who we love so that they can feel the love that God started in us. We've got to move closer to those that we don't know that well, so that we can discover the work of God in them. And then we've got to move close to those who we cannot stand and who we see as our enemies. Because the truth is they're not that much different to us. I know that God thinks that I am beautiful and worthy and valued. And the wonderful thing about my God is he sees my enemies in exactly the same way. Sometimes I need to take the time and effort to discover the beauty, value and worth in them. I pray that this year you will come close. That God will move close to you, that you will move close to others. And that through that you will rediscover the joy of God. It was a wonderful book, Just Mercy, and I really encourage you to read it if you have the time to remember how important closeness is in the story of God. Have a wonderful week, and I look forward to chatting to you soon.